This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup, just like a front three of Reese, Keane and Frockyar, right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Guy, second appearance of the season. Thank you very much. Stepping in for Adam, who's only just landed back from Hyderabad. Lucky bugger seeing that test match, but we had the pleasure of Millwall away, didn't we? The pleasure and the agony of the the train journey back. I'm sure a few people listening probably sampled and experienced that as well, but wasn't too fun. But yeah, no, we uh, we certainly had a, a nice day out in the capital. Hellish, wasn't it? Just you. Yeah. I think it said something like it was five to ten, wasn't it? And then it kept getting pushed back and back to like five past ten, and then the sucker punch lands at Wigan, and now we're in fifteen. Yeah, when we just geez. when we just roll past Wigan Station, <laughs> we could have got off and got a taxi, and then they go, "Oh, we've got an estimation of how long it's going to take from here." One hour fifteen, and just gasps throughout the whole whole train. Yeah, you could understand anybody losing their head at that point, and a few people did. To be fair, it didn't take an hour fifteen in the end, did it? No, it didn't. It didn't take it anywhere near that. An hour. Yeah, oh. I decided to get my head down at that point, and then next yes. thing I knew, we stopped, and I thought, "Oh, is this where we're going to wait for ages?" And then heard the we are now arriving at Preston Station. Thought, <laughs> "Happy days." I'm not sure why the guy thought it was a good idea to announce that it was going to be an hour of fifteen. <laughs> no, no, I would have just, I would have just kept that one, kept that one under my hat. I think can't have been too bad for you though, sauntering home in first class. Yeah, something like that. I think it was standard premium. It was. Uh, the best of a, a bad situation. Not not as good as you with riding up front with Gary Hunt. I mean, come on. Yeah. Proper dad in that day out for you two, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Walk past you. You're there with your Wisdom yeah. Cricket magazine. Oh, we're having a blast. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. What were you expecting heading down to Millwall? Obviously, Preston played pretty well at Leeds, not got anything. And this with Ipswich on the horizon, you felt it was really important to, to at least take something away. And I thought it had the feelings of a 1-1 really before kickoff and Played out that way, but certainly wasn't a great first half hour, wasn't it? Was it? Uh, no, not the first half hour. What was I expecting before I went? I have to say, you said 1-1. I was saying after the game to people, we could have just phoned up Millwall before the match, said, right, should we say it's a 1-1, name two goal <laughs> yeah. scorers, and there's no point in making the trip. Uh, it, it, it kind of played out as I thought it was going to. As you say, the first half hour, I mean, it was just so disappointing. First real meaningful attack, wasn't it? And Zion Fleming, as he always does against North End, uh, got the goal. 
And it was it was just deeply frustrating that that was how the game started. Like you said, especially after what had happened at Leeds, I thought there was going to be a real fire in the belly of the players and keep it tight for 10 minutes, grow into the game and then really try and try and take it to Millwall. And I think the way Millwall are playing and I think they've got the second worst home record ahead of last weekend. I thought the first goal was going to be key if North End could get it. You know what the crowd's like at Millwall. If North End could have got it in a way that they've not quite adapted to what Joe Edwards wants to do, I thought there was a chance North End could have could have got the points. But as soon as Millwall went ahead, you know it's going to be tough. They've actually got a poor record of scoring first. North End have quite a good record of coming from behind, albeit North End have a lot of practice this season of doing that. So in the end, you, you take a point. And I think it got to the stage in the second half where it was, if you're not going to win the game, just don't lose it. And and that was how it played out. I'd literally asked Jordan Story and Ryan Lowe on Thursday morning about Zian Fleming. And they kind of said, yeah, it's really important we keep him quiet. And then five minutes into the game, he's towering above Story and heading it in. And you could forgive Preston players for losing their heads after that, pretty much, because he just does it every time. That's a crazy stat that he scored 30% of his goals against Preston. Six is goals. That what it is? Yeah, six yeah. goals in four matches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously he got the hat trick at Deepdale last season. He looks, he looks a classy player. And I, to be fair, I did think on the day, if there was anything that was going to happen in the match, it was the two number tens who were going to do something. Obviously, Maz got the assist for the North End equaliser, and there was a couple of other smart passes that he played. And Fleming, as you say, I'd, we only see him when he plays against North End, but he looks like a world beater every time. So frustrating that. I mean, it was a pretty free header, wasn't it? I just think. Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah. like I don't know, like a focus or whatever, but I think yeah, at that I point, I think North End just got they just got done out wide because it went yeah, down the, ball, the right the hand ball side. Came in too easily. Yeah, yeah. Well, we went down the right hand side, didn't it? And Ledson went across, and you understand why because he, he wanted to stop the cross going in. But equally. It's at a time in the game where I think Hughes was over there as well. So the two of them were basically occupied by Norton Cuffey. He rolled it back and Honeyman had a little pocket in which to just deliver the cross. And there was quality on it. Not probably one for one of the only times in the match. There wasn't a great deal of quality in the whole game, but he found a bit of quality on that cross. And Fleming, he couldn't miss, could he, really, from where he was? No, at that point, you've just got to kind of remind yourself there is 85 minutes left here. So we're not, we're not out of the game, but it was... Frustrating start, and then, like we said before, half an hour of just absolutely nothing happening. <laughs> I've seen a few people laughing at your co-commentator, Paul Sparrow, who's just kind of saying it how it is, how bad it actually was. And then suddenly that space just opened up from nowhere. And one thing you can't give Brad Potts is green grass to run into because he thrives, just doesn't he? Just loves just it. Loves just, it. Eats it. just eats it up, doesn't he? Gallops yeah. away. Um and he he got his goal. Um, he's had a few he's had a few sort of chances, hasn't he, in recent weeks where you you've kind of felt he's going to put one of these away soon because he he's so good at making up that space on sort of at the far post on the far side of the pitch, which in in the wing back system Ryan Lowe wants to play is really pivotal. But he is the one off the two sides of the pitch, right or left, who does do that kind of attack in the far post. Obviously, he got his goal against Luton last year that everyone remembers, but he scored the one at home against Swansea. He does get himself goals getting forward from that position. And as I say, in the last few weeks, he's had a few chances and you felt it's coming, it's coming. And on the in, at the end of the day, he probably, maybe, could have actually had two at Mill. Yeah. I asked him afterwards, that, how are you feeling? Because obviously Ramsey's gone back. He's the only one, really. I know Ryan Lowe's spoken about Brown and McCann potentially playing there, but it is, it's kind of pots to the end of the season again. And he said he feels fine. So his fitness levels are a credit to him, really, aren't they? Yeah, and he's got an engine on him. 
Uh, that's that's one thing you can't sort of doubt with Brad Potts is yeah he just the durability of him to play the amount of matches he does and not only play the amount of matches he does but he's in the most taxing position on the pitch for what he's required of him because he's effectively doing two men's job playing as a right back and a right winger at times and yeah he, he, he plays first to last minute so many weeks so many on the bounce and as you say I suppose with Ramsey going it is a bit of a Maybe concerned that North End don't have another natural wing back there, but as you said, there's Brown, there's McCann, and also there's Josh Siri, isn't there, who's kind of been in and around matchday squads this season. He's he's what? Is he in his first year pro or is he second year? He obviously got given I think he's that first, first I think he's first year pro, isn't he? He got given that first year pro, didn't he, on signing his two-year scholarship. So there is high hopes for him. And you wonder if by the end of the season if there, there, there might be minutes for him. I don't know, but it'd be interesting to see. And you, you kind of think the likes of Siri and Moeni, maybe by the end of the season, it, it'd be interesting to see if they might get a run out or two. Yeah, we spoke before the game, didn't we, that kind of two two years in now, sorry, and Potts is still your only real wing-back as such. I know we had Alvaro, but they're tough to find, aren't they? They really are tough to find. And I think Liam Miller would be better in a 4-3-3 and maybe some other players would as well. But you just wonder if... Ryan Lowe's going to make anything of this at Preston. Maybe he needs to just come away from that and go back to a back four. Because I think other clubs, I think maybe last season, probably 75% of the championship was playing wing-backs. I'm not sure they are anymore. No, it was a real trend, wasn't it? I mean, it's it's one of those things, isn't it, with football, that ideas kind of normally start at the top and they kind of soak, soak down the pyramid. Obviously, Antonio Conte doing what he did at Chelsea with a back three in what 2017, seven years ago now, was kind of where it all started to kick off. By the time Alex Neil's tenure was kind of coming to an end at North End, what was that, 2020, 21? Yeah, that was kind of that was kind of where the majority of teams were beginning to implement it. Neil tried on a couple of occasions, didn't really work for him, and then obviously Ryan Lowe came in and. I actually I actually don't know. I think you double down on what you do, really. Because everybody else is doing it. And you that's the big thing, and it showed at the weekend. When you play two sides who have a back three, it so often leads to just stalemate football. It's all about individual one-on-one battles. And if you can't win them or find that bit of quality, it just ends in stalemates. Remember we went down to Cardiff a few years back for the worst nil-nil draw I've ever watched in my yes. life, where both sides just couldn't work yeah. out how they were going to beat their opposite number. And it was a bit like that on, on Saturday, truth be told. Uh, we did get two bits of quality. We got two goals. But yeah, I, I actually think you probably double down. And whenever everyone else moves away from playing a back three, that's then your point of difference, as it was for Sheffield United under Chris Wilder. No one else was really implementing it at that time. Obviously, he does it differently with the, the high overlapping uh, wide centre-backs. But equally, I think, as I say, when, when people move away from it, it maybe opens up that chance to exploit oppositions in a different way. That said... I do think Ryan Lowe deserves credit this season on being able to go to a back four, whether that's 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, 4-4-2 even at times. I think in the early weeks and early months of his tenure, he was very adamant that I'm a I'm 3-5-2, 3-4-3. Like we play with a back three, that's what we build from. But he has changed it and he, he's actually chosen in moments, the right times to do it. Obviously, as you said, the back four against Leeds, I thought after that game, right, that's it, you've got to stick with that. But then it wasn't quite working against Bristol City, changed it at half-time, implemented a, a back three that allowed two strikers on the pitch, and that absolutely ripped them apart. So credit where it's due. Yeah, if, if you are quite rigid and positional, then 3-5-2 against another 3-5-2 can be quite dull, can't it? But I think you saw the team on Saturday. There is a lot of 
creativity and quality there all of a sudden with Frockyar looking a lot better and Miller. Preston have got players that can cause teams problems, so they shouldn't be this really dull kind of side when you've got that those kind of players. And Frockyar's pass was, it looked easy, but he made it look effortless. That's what the good players do though, isn't it? I think a lot of people sort of picked up on that sort of thing. Oh, it, it was an easy pass. Potts had loads of space. Yeah, he did. But it's about getting the weight of the pass, right? Allowing Potts to get in a position where he's not brushed when he gets into that situation equally. He's not then got to take too many touches and allow opposition to to try and get back. Now, I think Frocky are coming into the side since that Bristol City game. A lot of people have obviously been calling for it. But I think to displace Alan Brown is something quite quite big to do, really. I mean, he's he's not only the captain of the club, but this year I would put him and Potts probably as the two standout performers. And then Frockyar comes in and all of a sudden it's just a different point of guile to the team in that position. And when you've got Frockyar, if you can get two strikers on the pitch and your wing-backs who are going to attack with intent, if you've got four players who are going to get into attacking areas and then Frockyar in the middle of all of them, to yeah. me, like you said, that is exciting because he's got yeah. the ability to pick passes. And if he's got a full sort of scope in which to pick those passes, you would hope it's going to lead to chances and goals for North End. He's fun to watch. I really do enjoy him. I think he's something a bit different, something we've not had before. And he's had to do the other side of the game in these first few months, hasn't he? Because there clearly wasn't that trust there in the first half of the season, really. But maybe signs recently that he's starting to earn it of the manager. And if you're creating chances yeah. and scoring goals and... You got to be in the team, really. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the trust part. I mean, you obviously speak to the manager far often, sort of than I do, and listen to obviously every one of his press conferences. But to me, it's it's also even just a durability point. Whether that whether that falls under the bracket of trust, I don't know. But you you saw even in preseason, the early weeks of the season, that he was often getting subbed off at seventy five minutes, but even by sixty, he was looking a bit out on his yeah, legs yeah. and he yeah. was struggling with the pace of it. I think I think he even said that a few times. And he's come from a league where how many how many games do they play in, in the Danish league? Do they play 36? I don't know. 34 maybe? I don't know. They don't play 46 games. And I know he referenced that in pre-season that he's come to the championship and he's all of a sudden going to have to play a load more matches. And I think it's just sort of that time to acclimatise. And yeah, I think, he's, I think he's done that. And I think now we're beginning to see... I just like how he glides on the ball and he did it a couple of times on Saturday where he just picked the ball on the inside left channel, came in field a bit. And as he does it, you know, in his mind, you can see it plays that reverse ball down the channel. There was one where he nearly, he could have played in Will Keane and he overhit it, which isn't like him. But yeah, he's just, he's just got such good pass appreciation. And it's it, like you say, it's, it's something different to, to what we've seen really. On the flip side, I think Osmajic probably started better than Frockyar, but he's had a couple quiet few weeks really obviously Reese has come back but maybe that's good for him maybe he can just kind of take a bit of pressure off him obviously North End put a pretty big fee out there to land him and I think it's a season of learning for us Mayich isn't it but I've seen a few people called him offside Mayich or something like that he's offside a lot isn't he and touch sometimes a bit loose but just got to bring all that together really and back this play you've spent quite a bit of money on for Preston's standards yeah definitely I like him I, I think he offers a lot he, like you said, there is, I suppose, an element of confidence that he needs to maybe score a few more to build that confidence and start getting like Emil Reese when when the penny dropped with him and all of a sudden, like you remember the Coventry goal early on in sort of when Emil Reese all of a sudden became the player we know he is now, where he just cut in and lashed one in at the town end. And I think that's the thing lacking from Osmaich at the minute. You feel as though he's in that rhythm where he's thinking about things and everything needs to be precise in and around the box where you just want him to just come onto things and just, just start smashing it. And just without thinking as he did in those early weeks, I've got a lot of confidence that 
he'll definitely come good. And I think Ryan Lowe, like the way in which he's built the squad, doesn't mean that you almost have to. You you got two ways of approaching him. You could play Osmaich and try and play him through it and hope that he gets goal and his confidence builds and almost like the Joe Garner effect where he played and played and played, never scored, and then all of a sudden couldn't stop scoring. Or you've got, what, five strikers in the squad. And if he's now going to move to playing two up front more often than not, you've got that opportunity for rotation, horses for courses, and you put him in at times and places when you think he can do most damage. Ledson over Brown was a bit of a talking point, understandably pre-match. Obviously, Brown on the bench at... Leads after coming off against Bristol City and obviously it was his 400th game and you can't really pick someone because of that. But I was very surprised to not see him in the side and we got kind of an explanation afterwards, didn't we, that Ledson's been training really well and Ryan Lowe thought Millwall away was Ryan Ledson's kind of game. But yeah, firstly, amazing achievement for Brown, but can you understand why people were a bit baffled by, by that one? I understand all points to it, to be honest. Like, first of all, it is an amazing achievement and it is... I mean, obviously he would have liked to have got that achievement starting and leading the team out. I'm sure Ryan Lowe would have liked to have afforded him that opportunity. But you don't choose when these sort of landmarks come around, do you, and what form everybody is in. You're going away to somewhere where you think it's going to be tough. You think it's a case of, as we were just saying before, keep it tight early on and grow into the game. And that's exactly what Ryan Ledson's going to offer you. Alan Brown... The Alan Brown's best asset is his energy and getting around the pitch. So actually, bring him on into a match when it could potentially get stretched, when you could either be holding on to something to uh, to, to maybe try and get him to get you up the pitch, or even if you're trailing to have somebody who's going to come in and buzz around and help do things. I, I kind of understand from that aspect too. Don't think at the end of the day, like when the team news comes out, people might be a bit disgruntled. But when you look back on it, I don't think Ledson did anything in the game where, where you'd say, "Oh no, that was it was a ricket sort of starting him in the game." I thought he was absolutely fine in that role. And Alan Brown obviously offers something different this season. He's been playing his best football again, like he did in sort of his best season. He's he's had what seventeen, eighteen, or was it eighteen, nineteen, playing in that number ten role. And for me, I know there's there's always been talk of could he eventually become a wing back? Does he play deeper in midfield? For me, his his best role is in that off off a usually single striker where he's just got room to just run into and cause absolute havoc. I think he has played alongside Whiteman at times this season, but his best position yeah. is definitely that that attacking 10 hitting the box and winning that system on Saturday when you've got the front two, maybe the attacking midfielder's role is more a frock yard, kind of a he's, kind of he's pulling been, strings he, a little bit deeper, not, yeah, not counter-attacking well, and stuff. That's the thing with frock yard when we're talking about him. I can't remember North End really having a number 10 in frock yard's mould, just a, a pure passer in that kind of role. Like Daniel Johnson, when he played there, his best work was pressing the ball and helping to win it back and then providing a goal threat from that position. Alan Brown, very much likewise, albeit in a slightly different way. Johnson was good at actually winning the ball back, pressing and helping in that regard. Whereas Alan Brown, it's always kind of been about that off the ball movement and sort of interchanging with players around the pitch with him. Whereas Frockyar does just sit in there. And that's what I said before. If you've got two strikers on the pitch, Frockyar's probably the, the guy to play there because he can release those runners. Alan Brown equally... If you're going to play him in a deeper midfield role rather than a number 10, it's when North End played that 3-5-2 like they did at Huddersfield and he plays in one of the wide central midfield roles. And again, you just say to him, get around the pitch absolutely everywhere because that night at Huddersfield, him and him and Dwayne Holmes didn't, didn't not cover a blade of grass between the two of them. And he, he was brilliant in that role. So yeah, it's about systems, isn't it? And horses for courses. 
And unfortunately, he, he didn't get the start at Millwall, but he, he's got too much quality to not be back in the side before too long. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mac Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I mean, I don't know if you saw, but the comment, you don't really keep an eye on Twitter too much these days, do you? But I think Ryan Lowe said, it's not about Alan Brown, is it? And that's just absolutely set a bomb off. But that was in response to asking about him being on the bench. It wasn't Alan yeah. Brown, 400 appearances. It's not about Alan Brown. And I know when things are written down, it can look like that. But I think there's a bit of a kind of narrative that they don't see eye to eye and stuff. And it's not a very nice situation, really. No, it's, it's not a nice environment. It doesn't it doesn't feed to help anything or support things. Like you say there, what Ryan Lowe said, as you say, it was, it was your question to him of saying, Alan Brown's obviously been on the bench at Leeds. He's been on the bench today. He's made his 400th appearance, but what's he got to do to get back into the team? And we just spoke there about Ryan Ledson. Ryan Lowe said, Ryan Ledson's trained really well. When guys train well, I need to give them opportunities because otherwise, what's the incentive of getting into the team if, if you're training well, but you're still not getting in especially when North End haven't been in the greatest run of form. He's got not really any justification, does he, to to then not give players an opportunity. And he said Alan's just got to get his head down and work his way back into the team. And it won't be long before he's back in the team, especially given, A, the role he's played during his, his time at Preston North End. But this season, he's been, as I say, for me, him and Potts have probably been the two standout players. And he's not not going to be in the team for very for very long. I'd probably throw Keane in there as well. I know he had a bit of injury, yep. but I think, yeah, those those three probably. But I hope Brown, Brown has said before he wants to break that all-time appearance record. I think it's is it 512 off the top of my head, something along those lines, Alan Kelly. And he, if he signs this contract, I, know, I don't know if you remember, Paul McKenna looked like he was going to do it and then he eventually left about 470 in. But if Brown sees his career out here or at least another three years, then he's, he's going to do it, isn't he? Yeah, he is. As you say, the the, the longevity is still... Got, I mean, the fact that he's the second youngest player to have reached the landmark of 400 for, for North End is quite something. And when you think about the fact that he's he's got as many years ahead of him as he does, I mean, Martin Atherton uh, at the club sort of sends us uh, some stats ahead of the game. Um, and he he sort of pointed out over the weekend, he could reach 11th place in that all-time list by the end of the season because he's only four behind Alex Bruce and seven behind Bobby Crawford now. 
in terms of where he is in the list. And I, I thought the thing really that was fascinating as well that Martin pointed out is he's third on the list of players to make full international appearances for Preston North End whilst at the club. Only Alan Kelly Sr. with 47 caps for the Republic of Ireland and Sir Tom Finney with 76 for England have got more than Alan Brown. He's got 35 Republic of Ireland caps whilst he's been at Preston North End. That's no mean feat either, given North End have obviously been a a third tier, but predominantly second tier side during Alan Brown's career at the club. That's a nice reminder of the quality this guy has, really. I think we can easily take him for granted, can't you? But, I mean, someone could have easily over these years come in and said, no, we'll have him. He's, he's got six months left. And I don't think it's fair to say, to ask why has nobody done that, because he's a good, good, good championship player. Sometimes you just get sometimes just get players that really feel a certain way to a club, don't you? It's quite unique, really. You do, and I also think he's I think he's kind of been in that regard, maybe a victim of his his service and his his ability to just play where needed for the club. Like obviously there was what beginning of 2018, 19, I hope I'm getting my seasons right here, when there was the centre back crisis and he ended up playing at centre back for a game. <laughs> Against Aston Villa. Aston Villa. Yeah, Aston Villa at home, yeah. So he's he's always just moved around the pitch. I think if he'd always stayed in kind of that number ten role in a four two three one for Alex Neil, as he did that season where he scored what twelve goals. Yeah, I think I think more maybe would have been done and and happened to sort of take him away. Um, but the fact he's played at wing back, the fact he's played deep in midfield, the fact he's played as we say there even centre back, he has moved around the pitch a lot for for North End, and he's always done the job that is required. And he, and and as captain, he might not be the most vocal guy whether it be on the pitch or even just sort of when you speak to him, but you'll know, having spoke to him, I've never met someone as determined as Alan Brown. Just yeah, and, and the standards yeah. he drives. I know he's spoken with the club about making 400 and he said, I don't often do it and maybe I need to give myself a bit of credit. He deserves an immense amount of credit and it, he isn't the kind of guy who will give himself the credit. He'll wait for people like us to dish it out to him and he probably won't even listen and, and just move on because actually, what do you get for credit? You don't get anything, right? I'll get back on the training ground and keep working hard. He's got such a single-mindedness and determination, which as captain is is kind of everything you, you really want to, to have in a leader, I think. Yeah, he's a bit of a throwback, how much he cares and his whole attitude towards it. He doesn't say much, but I think he leads by example, definitely. His presses are always interesting, really. He speaks extremely kind of, quite quiet. But if you listen back, what he's saying, there's there's real kind of feel to every word. Yep. And yeah, I think I think people have made Roy Keane comparisons before. I'm sure he's somebody he looks up to as an Irishman. There's, 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 there's definitely... He oh, worked under him with the Republic of Ireland, yeah. No, I remember there's speaking to shades. him about it. Two men from Cork, aren't they, as well? Or that, that neck of the woods when it comes to Ireland, I'm pretty sure. So, um, yeah, no, it's... He, I, I just think he's... He's, he's, he is fantastic in that role of being the captain and, and the leader. I remember when he was a young player, North End's first year in the championship, lost 2-1 down at Brentford. And it was the, I think it was the year before the 5-0 defeat down there. But North End had scored early and then just didn't show up for a second half. Simon Grayson was spitting feathers. He was so, he was raging. And Alan Brown was the player thrown out. And obviously he'd only really just started getting into the team. Yeah, And he, he must have been, what, 18, 19 maybe at the time? And yeah. he just did this press conference. As you say, he is mild-mannered and sort of softly spoken, but was just absolutely saying, no, that we've been told in no uncertain terms this isn't good enough and it isn't really when you look at it. And you're thinking, just into the championship here. This isn't a, mm. it's not a poor result. All right, yeah, the performance might not have been great, but wow, that will always stick with me, kind of the way in which he, even as a young player, 
was demanding of him himself. And that's that's the thing. It's not do what I say, not what I do. No, he, first and foremost, if he's dishing out criticism, he's talking about himself and then saying, this is a me thing and the rest of the team. We all need to do this. It's not it's not you and I at all. We breezed over the second half, really, but Potts had that massive chance at the end, which I'm not sure he could do much more with. And then they were causing havoc at every set piece, weren't they? You thought, oh, they're just going to scramble one in because I, I don't like looking at past records against teams, but Millwall's is, against ours is pretty horrific. And you're just thinking, not again. We managed to see it out. But they kind of had shades of this possession style under Edwards and then towards the end, they really kind of throw back to the Rowett days and big lads in the box. Well, that, that's what I don't quite understand with that appointment. I was speaking to some of their press stars before the game. of sort of saying, I, I, I get you want to change from kind of Gary Rowett, but if you're going to do that, don't you do it ahead of a pre-season when a coach has got loads of time mm. to really look to implement what they're doing? Now, they were kind of coming back and saying, well, actually, he's almost got the rest of this season, kind of writing off the season so long as we don't get relegated, we don't think we'll get relegated. Lads, we won't get relegated, will we? Um, but no, he's he's just sort of saying he's just they were just sort of saying that it's it's a case of he's he's assessing the squad fully before trying to implement it, implement differences in the summer. I think when you're a side like North End, like Millwall, where your budget is definitely bottom half of the championship, if not bottom third, if you've got super strengths within your squad that you can maximise and utilise then you do that. Now, if you're a manager who says, oh, I want to play possession football, well, Millwall might not be the job for you. you. You've got giants across that back line. Put the ball in the box and see what drops for you. And it nearly worked for them. You said we breezed over the second half. I was going to say, what was that? Because there was nothing to talk about. Potts <laughs> did have that big chance, didn't he? And I think Will Keane had one that went wide. But yeah, that one from Will Keane, I thought he was just going to shape it into the bottom corner. But it just didn't quite come off for, for North End. But as I say, I think a point away at Millwall where North End really haven't got a, a great record. In fact, it, now the last 10 games, North End are winless against Millwall. Four draws, six defeats. So you do, as I say, respect that point, take it and uh, and come back. And they've only actually scored now in six of the, the last 10 games against Millwall. So it isn't a side that North End have very good memories of playing against Jeez. at all. So, yeah, as you say, it is one of those, yeah, you look at it between Leeds and Ipswich and think, oh, is this the opportunity to win? Equally, each game on its merits. I think before the game, if if I'd said to you, platform at Preston Station, this finishes one-one, and we're going to be getting in at half past eleven, <laughs> you would you would have been more fuming at the fact you got in at half past eleven rather than <laughs> the fact it's a one-one draw. Indeed, you mentioned Millwall's rest of the season there, and kind of just seeing what happens and making sure they stay up and then going again. I think you could forgive any Preston fan for thinking, well, what what are we what are we doing for the rest of the season here? Because I don't think they're going to be troubling either end, really, are they? Not signed anyone in January. It's kind of, but obviously we're two years into something. Do you just bring the likes of Frockyar on and Osmajic and try and get them going for next yeah, season? We, work work yeah. on Miller in the background and go again in the summer? Or That's that's what I think, because as a club, they might be two years into something, but equally this year feels like a reset, doesn't it? In in my opinion, you, you might not feel the same but with with the likes of Osmaic with Frockyar coming into the squad with Miller coming in as well it does feel as though there's a different energy and feel to this group than what there has previously been Whiteman's now signed a new contract I think it is a case of sort of developing and seeing what foundations are set then for the summer on which to to try and fine-tune and 
improve. I think now you do say it's Ryan Lowe's squad. He's obviously had enough time to make decisions on players. If he didn't want to have them, they probably would have been moved on by now. But I do equally think it's time now for the remainder of the season. I'd like to, I mentioned it before, but I'd like to maybe see a few of the younger players given an opportunity and get a chance to come into the squad. I'm really interested to see what, what Leighton Stewart could maybe become for North End when you've had the likes of Archer and Cannon in the last two years kick on in second halves of the season. Lowe's obviously said he's not going to go out on loan. Chad Evans injured at the moment. Is there maybe minutes that could be afforded to him at some point? Let's wait and see and, and just see where else it can develop and, and what can happen. I think that if you mentioned the defence, I think that would be somewhere to potentially freshen up in the in yeah. the summer. You're, probably, you're potentially going to lose a couple of players there. I, don't, I wouldn't say any of the back three are overly comfortable on the ball. Hughes maybe the most. So a bit of mobility and technique back there. Someone like Vandenberg, he was brilliant, wasn't he? That would certainly help, I think, especially with Whiteman who wants to get the ball and play forward off his defenders. But yeah, young lads, not a bad shout. I think Stuart, you've got if you're not loaning him out, you've got to give him a chance at some point. I think you just want to have something for the second half of the season where you feel you kind of invest in it. Whether that's an individual or whether that's a, a, even like Frockyard coming in now. Like I, th- I think people are getting excited over what he has done, what he can do, and just get that feeling of yeah, all right, this is this is as you say, it's two years in something, but I'm saying it's kind of a maybe a fresh year, year zero for this group this season, maybe, but just try and get that feeling of what direction this is heading in. We were teased at the start of the season with the run the team went on. Now, the last two seasons now, North End's conversion rate has been absolutely ridiculous. Whether that's something that is going to keep going, probably people would say, oh no, they're running hot on data and that would tail off. They can't keep converting at the rate they are. But they've now done it for two seasons. And it's a case of, I think, tightening up defensively. I know last time I was on... I said, I don't think North End are going to probably get too many pastings. And then since what's followed, it's proven I, proven I know very little. But I think it is a case of getting back to that defensive resilience and knowing when chances come along more often than not. North End don't need many to strike. Hopefully Reese as well. Get Reese four or five goals before the end of the season. That'd be a real positive to take into well, the summer. Because be... he's, a, he's a top striker. He, really he is. is. I think I think when you I, th- I, since, I think since his return, you see the power he brings, what North End have missed. And I actually think... Ryan Lowe, when he came in, was not only adamant he wanted to play with the back three, but that he wanted to have two strikers on the pitch. Over time, that's kind of changed, and he played that kind of box midfield thing more yeah. often than not. But I do think since Bristol City, he's kind of had a thinking of, actually, no, are we going back to what I know best? I, I want to play Reese. I need to play Reese. Reese doesn't really fit as a natural lone striker. Will no. Keane works better with a partner as well. Having a partner might be something that, works for someone like maybe Leighton Stewart to come into the side. Even Osmaich looks better when he has a partner with him. Is that what we can maybe get behind for the second half of the season? The fact that North End are going to try and play with two strikers on the pitch more often than not, get Miller at high in wide areas and get Rockyar on the ball and Potts doing what he can do from wing back. All of a sudden, there might be something where you, you think, actually, yeah, okay, can kind of see the direction this is heading. Deadline day on Thursday, isn't it? I think. Thursday. Thursday. I thought it was Wednesday. Yes, someone told me yesterday it was Thursday. Yeah. Thursday. I wouldn't Shows be how much paying the, attention. No. I wouldn't be paying too much attention to the hashtag because I don't think there's going to be anything at all going on. It's about as quiet as a January as you could have. Yeah, the most emphatic response I've ever seen to a uh, press conference question from Gary Hunt. Ryan, I've got to ask you any transfer business? No, I don't think so. I don't, that was it, wasn't it? No, don't think so. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I just don't think there's any money to spend to do anything really. So it's just getting to the summer. But it's also like what you said before, like what is so so throw two, three million pounds at something. What what's gonna happen this season? I don't finish tenth instead of fourteenth. Yeah, I don't I don't think with one player, even two players North End are gonna gonna get in the top six. Are you doing Ipswich? No. Are you on Ipswich? Next game, Cardiff. Cardiff. What a treat. What a treat. Driving or train or flying or what? Uh, I have no idea. I'll get there however which way I'm told. Yeah. If we're on the train, I can't see any issue there. I'm sure they'll be fine. <laughs> oh, God. This podcast was produced by Viva. It's the 90th minute and Peony are on the TV. You're watching with all your mates and the McNugget share boxes are open for all. Your pal's already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Result. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com on the McDonald's app. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.